This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Western North Carolina. Welcome to a Thursday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. It's the last day of August 2023. Thanks for spending some time with us this morning. The uh, hurricane-slash-tropical storm has uh, gone past Florida and Georgia, and the Carolinas is uh, out to sea, uh, left uh, Quite a bit of damage in its wake. Could have been worse, I suppose, but uh, fortunately uh, uh, they've got a chance to clean up now over the uh, long holiday weekend that is coming up, Labor Day weekend here in the United States. Uh, I feel like I should start this show by playing taps uh, because I think um, I, I think that uh, uh, the Red Sox season officially came to an end last night, or I, I should say uh, their playoff hopes. Um, they were embarrassed the last three days. There's no other way to put it. Houston sweeps the Red Sox at Fenway Park, I think for the first time ever. Um, so... Uh, I called it the Boston Massacre last yesterday afternoon because the Red Sox were thoroughly outplayed, thoroughly embarrassed. Uh, it was bad pitching, bad defense. Once again, a starting pitcher uh, goes, you know, less than five innings. Cutter Crawford yesterday went uh, knocked out in the fourth. Uh, crazy. I mean, it just... It, Gross. Actually, he was knocked out in the third after seven hits and six runs. And then the Red Sox had to use six pitchers after that. They've got a day off today. They go to Kansas City. You know, they've got their best pitchers lined up to face the Kansas City Royals, but does it really matter? <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I you hate to be that pessimistic, but really... It doesn't matter. They have James Paxton, Tanner Hout, Chris Sale all lined up to pitch against Kansas City this weekend. But, you know, look, and the Red Sox took three out of four from Kansas City earlier, uh, but the Red Sox have not played well in Kansas City of late. Uh, despite the fact they've stunk, they've lost a series in Kansas City the last two years. So I'm not uh, – and even if they go out there and they sweep, it doesn't really matter. You know, it, it's just 
look, we knew going into the season that this was going to be a long season, but I guess I had more optimism and, you know, and, and I thought the pitching was going to be better, but Chris Sale, uh, got hurt again, and even when he's been healthy, he's been a shadow of his former self. James Paxton has been inconsistent, but what do you expect from a guy that's been hurt for the last couple of years? Brian Bayo is the only guy that has been somewhat consistent for the Red Sox, but he's gotten torched a couple of times here in August. Uh, you know, and when you have Cutter Crawford in your rotation, and I, you know, what do you expect? And, you know, here's the thing, and, you know, again, yesterday I'm, I'm watching the game, and, you know, Kevin Euclid is talking about what great stuff Cutter Crawford had. Look, Cutter Crawford is not a major league guy that you want in your rotation. If Cutter Crawford is in your rotation, you have problems. He's at best a number five starter, at best, and and that better be on a really, really good team that plays solid defense. And the that ain't the Red Sox. You know, so what are the Red Sox, you know, at this point, they go 13 and 15 in August after having a great month of July, getting themselves back in the race, in the conversation. They go under 500 in August. That big 10-game stretch against the Astros and the Dodgers that I talked about, that I felt that they had to go at worst 5-5 five and five to be able to hang into this. What'd they do? 3-7. Three 3-7. And seven. Three and seven. Red Sox starters in, in the month of August, opponents at 274. Um, with an 824 OPS. They went just an average of 4.6 innings per start. You know, a 1.46 walk hits to innings pitch. So, you know, it means one and a half walks and hits per inning. You don't win that way. You know, and so none of this is a surprise. We've known it's been coming. You know, uh, the eternal optimist in me is hoping that, you know, that they could somehow find a way into the playoffs. But as I said a number of times, I'm not even sure if that's a good thing. So... Pete Abraham this morning said, look, it's in the Boston Globe, said it's time to focus on next year. So, and he's right. And what is that, you know, so what does that mean? Well, it means that they're going to have to leave uh, Rafaela up. You know, they brought him up for a cup of coffee. You leave him up there now. You let him play. Uh, you know, you probably leave David Hamilton up there and you let him play second base. Find out what you got. Look, Raffaella is a guy that is going to be a, a long-term guy for the Red Sox. What's interesting is he got his first start last night. They started him at shortstop. He can play short, but his, major, his main position is center field. Well, right now, with what uh, Jaron Durant this year – did this year. Jaron Duran's your center fielder. So somebody has to move. You know, and when you look at it, they've got four guys under contract for next year. They've got Duran, Ref Snyder, Verdugo, and Yoshida all under contract for next year. Do not be shocked if in the offseason 
Alex Verdugo was traded. And it's not that um, it's not that he's had a bad year. But they've had issues with him all year with his effort at times, with his attitude at times. He's gotten benched a couple of times. You know, so don't be shocked if he's gone. I mean, and again, he's put up decent numbers, so there will be interest in a guy like Alex Verdugo. Right? He's hit 277 this year. You know, he's not a huge power hitter. He's only got 12 home runs, but he has 33 doubles and four triples. He's a, a decent outfielder. He is uh, durable. So I think the Red Sox go out and they dangle him and see if you can get some pitching back because, you know, the other part of it is, you know, it doesn't look like the Red Sox have a plan as far as there, there aren't a lot of aces on the market coming up in the free agent market. So where are they going to find the pitching? You know, they're going to have to go out and in this next free agent class, sign up guys, a bunch of guys that are maybe number two or number three starters. But Jesus, that would be a huge improvement over what they've got this year. They don't really have any pitching in the pipeline. I don't believe that Tanner Houck is a long-term solution in the rotation. He's a number. He's another guy like Cutter Crawford, I think, who could be a number four, number five guy. I think his stuff plays better in the bullpen. I'm not sure what to think about Garrett Whitlock now. He's he's been able, you know, he was a shutdown reliever last year. He showed signs in the starting rotation this year that he could be a starter, but then he got hurt. When he comes back, he's been it's been batting practice. So, you know, and, and it, you know, so the Red Sox are going to have to make some decisions about that. The other guy that they could dangle out there to try to bring some pitching back, maybe they package Verdugo with a guy like Bobby Dalbeck. He's on the 40-man roster. He's tearing up AAA. He's got 31 home runs in Worcester and a 966 OPS. And think about this. Um, he played in the majors for a good part of the year. He hasn't been in the major league since the 25th of June. He's already got 30 home runs or 31 home runs in Worcester, despite spending a good portion of the season with the Red Sox parent club. So it looks like Dahlbeck is an odd man out. He's 28 years old. Tristan Casas is their guy. Casas had three more hits last night in the game. So he's not going anywhere. So you leave Rafaela up. You leave, uh, you know, you probably leave uh, Abreu up. They're going to have to make a decision what they're going to do about Justin Turner. Justin Turner seems to like Boston. I think if you're if you're the Red Sox, you'd like to keep him. But at least now, I guess I can. You know, now I, it's not that I won't watch the Red Sox the rest of the way. I mean, I'll still watch the games because, well, I'm a glutton for punishment, and I'm a baseball fan, and that's my team, and I'm going to follow them and see what happens and and, and go from there, but. You know, now I'll watch it with a different pair of glasses on, so to speak. You know, I'm not looking at it as if they're going to make a run to the playoffs now. They are now, you know, six and a half back. 
four back of Toronto who sits in the transfer position. But right now, Texas, Houston, and Tampa Bay are the three wildcard teams. The Red Sox are six and a half back of Texas. Now, Texas isn't playing very well, but Toronto is. Toronto seems to have turned things around. You know, and uh, Houston is uh, trying to win that division. They're tied with, uh, essentially tied with Seattle atop the AL West now. So, uh, you know, now I'll just watch the Red Sox with a, with a different a different eye and look more to the young kids and see how they're progressing. But now, you know, it, it's over. And there's no rant here. It's just, it is what it is. We all knew this was coming. It's just been, you know. Yesterday was just the final nail in the coffin, so to speak. Um, the Seattle Mariners, on the other hand, as as cold as Boston has been in the month of August, the Seattle Mariners have been that hot. Uh, they win again yesterday. They beat the Oakland Athletics, no surprise there, but a two-run seventh inning, the difference there. A two-run single by J.P. Crawford, Put Seattle ahead, and uh, Seattle goes twenty-one and six in the month of August. Twenty-one and six. Bet- that's better than their uh, previous record of uh, twenty that they had had in a month. And this is a Seattle Mariners team back. I think it was in two thousand and one. Uh, had like what a hundred and hundred and twenty wins, some ridiculous uh, amount of wins. So, uh, you know, th- this is a team that – and it was – by the way, that's the last time that they won the AL West pennant. You know, and can they sustain it? Well, you know, if you're a betting man, you'd say no because that's a ridiculous pace to have to uh, uh, to keep. But I'm not sure I'd bet against them right now. I'll tell you that. Because they've been, I mean, it, it, they're getting pitching, they're getting defense, they're getting hitting, and they've won the last couple of nights without Julio Rodriguez. He didn't play again yesterday. He's got that pinched nerve in his neck. But that's all right. They've got Teoscar Hernandez, who hit a three-run homer in the third inning, uh, his 23rd homer of the season. And, uh, you know, they just continue to roll. 2001. They won 116 games. They won 116 in 46. And in that year when they, you know, and of course they got knocked out in the first round of the playoffs too. I think it was by the Yankees. But as good as they were that that year, they never won 21 games in a month, but they've done that this month. It's crazy. And now the Mariners uh, have a 10-game road trip. And it starts off in New York against the Mets. Mets aren't very good. We all know that. But this is a stretch. If you know a ten-game trip, when you are twenty-one and six for a month of August, you've got everything going your way. Um, you know, and the Mets have uh, uh, sold off everybody, and the Mets seem disinterested in playing baseball right now. However, I'd rather be in their position 
<laughs> than I would the Red Sox right now. Uh, Seattle uh, technically on top of the AL West by percentage points. They are 76-57. and 57. Houston's played two more games, but they are one one-thousandth of a percentage point behind the Seattle Mariners. And by the way, one reason to be optimistic about the Mariners in this 10-game road trip, they've played very, very well on the road. They are uh, 37 and 28 on the road this season. Uh, another team I mentioned, the Toronto Blue Jays playing well. They get a shutout yesterday. They shut out the Washington Nationals 7 nothing. Chris Bassett. Boy, I tell you what, you know, and this is a guy that, uh, you know, the Red Sox could have targeted. Chris Bassett, eight shutout innings for Toronto yesterday. Picks up his 13th win of the season. Allows just three hits. Walks one guy in eight innings. And uh, the Blue Jays win again. Uh, Alejandro Kirk, three hits, three runs batted in. And uh, Toronto keeps rolling. You know, they hit a bit of a skid. They're playing without Bo Bichette. They're playing with a uh, a guy in Vlad Jr. who is not putting up the numbers that he put up last year. He was one for four yesterday, just hitting two sixty seven on the season. Doesn't have the power numbers he's had in the past. You know, George Springer is having a down year. But they're right in the mix. Right in the mix. And now Toronto goes to play, or I should say, uh, yeah, goes to play at Colorado. <laughs> you know, and Colorado is awful. Uh, Hinjin Ryu, is, who came, is coming off Tommy John surgery, has been great since coming back August 1st. He's 3-1 and one with a 2-2-5 ERA. Uh, and uh, you would have to think that there's no reason to think it. Like, and again, you know, if you're, if you're, even if you're more of an optimist than I am, as far as the Red Sox, you know, knowing that the Red Sox are going to Kansas City, and you say, well, we can sweep Kansas City and maybe make something happen. Well, yeah, but the team you're chasing, that you're four games behind, is going to play a team that's almost as bad as the Kansas City Royals. And that's, you know, and that's the problem when you're trying to, to dig out of a hole. You know, and that's the same thing in the National League when you've got teams that, that, that think they've got a chance, but then you realize you've got to leapfrog three other teams to even have an opportunity, you know, which is what's buried the Padres. And even the Miami Marlins right now are still technically in it, but they have two other teams they have to leapfrog to even have an opportunity to get into the playoffs. And so, you know, the math, uh, the longer the time goes on, the math just works against you. And the Miami Marlins lost yesterday. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays now are just a game and a half behind Baltimore in the AL East, and that's because the Rays beat the Marlins 3 nothing in 10 innings. What a great pitcher's duel. Zach Eflin started for Tampa, six and two-thirds shutout innings, only gave up four hits, didn't walk anybody. Uh, Jesus Lazardo started for Miami. Six shutout innings, just one hit, struck out eight. You know, and it's just uh, we go all the way scoreless through the first nine, and then in the tenth inning, uh, Josh Lowe with an RBI single, and uh, that was the only thing they needed. And then uh, uh, Randy Arozarena adds a two-run single, and the Blue Jays, I mean, excuse me, the uh, Tampa Bay Rays have now won 
eight of their last nine. By the way, a Rosarena in that game also stole two bases in that 10th inning. He's now got 20 on the season. He has been a 20-20 guy. 20 home runs, 20 stolen bases for three consecutive seasons. So uh, he goes one for three, gets the average up to 261, uh, and uh, they end up beating the Miami Marlins. The Marlins, by the way, under 500, and uh, they haven't been under 500 most of the year. Look, they've had a much better year than most people thought. But this is the first time they have been under 500 since May 26th when uh, they were 25 and 26. They've still got a shot. They're three games back. But like I said, they got a couple other teams uh, that they have to leapfrog. They've got an opportunity. They take on the Washington Nationals team. The Nationals had a really good month of August. They had 17 wins in August. And this is a team that was a last-place team. They're now ahead of the Mets. Uh, but, you know, that was they were one of the worst teams in baseball until the month of August, and they've really turned things around. And the Rays, they have a three-game series at Cleveland uh, starting on Friday. They have not announced a starter yet, but Cal Quantrill is coming off the injured list, and he will start for the Cleveland Guardians in that game on Friday. It is 26 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a Thursday morning. It uh, is the 30th, 31st day of August. It is 30 minutes past the hour. Um, the Baltimore Orioles had a big lead yesterday. Looked like they uh, were on their way to a win, uh, but uh, Kyle Gibson just wasn't very good last night. Orioles jumped out to a 4 nothing lead in the first inning, and then the next thing you know, it was home run central <laughs> in Baltimore. Uh, he gives up three home runs, uh, including the 35th of the year uh, from Luis Robert. Andrew Vaughn also hit one. Oscar Colas also hit one. Um, Baltimore outscored Chicago 18-3 to in the first two games of the series, but uh, the White Sox put up 10 yesterday and uh, beat the Orioles 10-5. to Dylan Cease got the victory despite not being very good. Dylan Cease having an awful year. Uh, picks up his sixth win of the season, but he gave up uh, five runs and six hits in six innings. Boy, when you look at where Dylan Cease has fallen off, last year Cease had a 2-2-0 ERA. He was 14-8. and Only gave up 126 hits in 184 innings. Uh, he was dynamite. Uh, a 1.11 whip. The year before that, he wins 13 games. His whip is 1.25. You know, 30 fewer hits than innings pitch. This year, just brutal. Absolutely brutal. Um, he's already given up 20 more hits this season than he did last year in four fewer starts. His walk numbers are up. Uh, just you know, and I don't know whether there is an you know whether there's an injury, whether some of it has to do with the fact that uh, his offense has uh, uh, been inconsistent to say the least. As the White Sox have been one of the worst teams in the American League this year, but man, Dylan Cease has been terrible. But uh, they do get the win yesterday. Now the Orioles, after that loss, as I said, they have a still have a one and a half game lead. In the American League East, they have a huge series coming up, and it's not just huge for them. Uh, they have today off, uh, but then they go on the road 
to take on the Arizona Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks right now are four games over 500. They are a half a game out of the wild card in the National League. So this could be a make-or-break time for the Orioles in their quest to win the AL East. Look, uh, they've already won more games than they won, or they've won as many games now that they won last year. Uh, they've guaranteed another winning season. They're having a hell of a year, but now you got to finish it off. They're still going to make the playoffs. Unless they completely collapse, they'll be a wild card at worst. But with the Tampa Bay Rays breathing down their necks, they do not have a lot of margin for error. Um, Cole Irvin is going to get the start uh, on Friday at Arizona, but that is going to be a fun series to watch uh, this coming weekend. Up the road uh, yesterday in Philadelphia, and the Philadelphia Phillies right now, the number one wild card team in the National League, um, looked like they were going to rally to get a victory. Bryce Harper hits his 300th career home run, but the pitching can't get it done as uh, the Philly bullpen gives up two runs in the eighth and three runs in the ninth. Craig Kimbrell blows the game in the ninth inning, and the Los Angeles Angels come back to beat the Phillies 10-8. to uh, It was the 15th home run this season for Harper, you know, and this is a guy that's been playing either designated hitter or first base because he's coming back from that Tommy John surgery. They're not ready to put him back in the outfield yet. Uh, but uh, in 370 at-bats, he's got 15 home runs and 55 runs batted in, and he's hitting 308. So uh, the bat is certainly there, and, you know, obviously they're hoping that the arm comes back so that he can uh, go back to right field next year. But uh, the – He's now homered in three straight games. For the second time this month, he hit 10 home runs in the month of August. So he's hot. Phillies lose that one last night, though. They are still 15 games over 500, the number one wild card. And uh, they now get to take on the Milwaukee Brewers, another huge series this weekend. When you look around baseball, there are three or four series this weekend that you're going to want to keep an eye on. Zach Wheeler is going to get the start Friday at Milwaukee. Milwaukee taking on water a little bit right now as the Chicago Cubs win two out of three in that series. So uh, this is a very important series uh, for them this weekend. Uh, the Cubs beat the Brewers yesterday by a final of 3-2. to two. And the pitching matchup before the game, we said Brandon Woodruff for Milwaukee, Kyle Hendricks for Chicago was going to be a great matchup. It turned out to be. Uh, Hendricks pitched great. He only gave up one unearned run in six innings. Woodruff was gave up two runs in the first, but then settled in uh, and only eight, gave up those two runs and two hits in six innings while striking out eight. Um, but uh, Cody Bellinger drove in the tie-breaking run. It was a it was an infield hit that kind of ricocheted off the reliever, went to the third baseman and uh, tried to make the throw over, but Bellinger beat it out. Mike Tauchman scored from third base. And Chicago wins that game 3-2 to two despite only having three hits in the game. You know, it's one of those cases, sometimes you'd rather be lucky than good. And uh, they get that. Uh, uh, Azale blew the save in this one, but he ends up getting the win on that ricochet single. Uh, Cody Bellinger, you know, Cody Bellinger was a guy that a lot of people thought was washed up. You know, his last 
couple of years in L.A. I mean, you look at it in last year, he hit 210. The year before that, in 2021, he hit 165. He hit 239 in 2020. And this was after being, you know, Mr. MVP in 2019 when he had 47 homers and 115 runs batted in. He had three straight years where people just said, well, he's done. Well, Cody Bellinger has proven that uh, there is still a lot of gas left in that tank. This year he is hitting 316. He's got 20 home runs. 77 runs batted in, and the most impressive thing to me about what Bellinger has done this year, he has only struck out 66 times this year. That's after striking out 150 times last year. This is a guy that has struck out over 150 times, three times in his career, and he has cut those strikeouts way, way down and uh, he's, he's got a career high in stolen bases. Now, some of that's because of the new rules where you can only throw over a couple of times to first base. But Cody Bellinger has found new life uh, with the Chicago Cubs, and he is a big reason why the Cubs find themselves right now in playoff position. And by the way, I, I would like to point out that uh, in my, pre-game, my preseason predictions, I predicted that the Cubs would be a wild card team this year. Just saying. I, by the way, I also predicted this year, and my buddies Eric Braun and, and uh, Paul Arnold will back this up. We did this on the uh, uh, the Boys of Summer podcast. I also predicted that the Texas Rangers would be a wild card team in the American League. Right now, I wish I had put money on it. And I'm not a gambling man, but, man, I, <laughs> I wish I had taken the plunge and put some money on it because – I might have uh, I might have cleaned house on that one, but anyway, so a big series this weekend with the Brewers. Uh, the Cubs have another huge series. They have to take on the Cincinnati Reds. The Reds right now a game out of the wild card. That National League Central, Milwaukee leads by three games over the Cubs, six games over Cincinnati. So another big series there. So the Brewers and Phillies. And the Cubs and the Reds. Uh, Jordan Wicks is going to get the start for the Cubs. And uh, Graham Ashcroft is going to get the start on Friday uh, in that series that is in Cincinnati. By the way, not a lot of games today. There's only a handful. I think, what, three, four games today. Most teams have this Thursday off. uh, And then uh, the majority of the games will be coming up on Friday. You know, who's who's happy that uh, they have a day off? The Red Sox. Um, you know, as much as they've struggled with their starting pitching and, you know, having tired bullpen, yada, yada, yada. You know, the one thing we do have to keep in in mind is the Red Sox are coming off a stretch where they played 16 straight days. And when you have a starting staff that can't get you six, seven innings every time they go out, it's inevitable that everybody is going to be worn out. So uh, the Red Sox are happy to have uh, today off. Um, the Giants lose to the Reds yesterday, that team that uh, the Cubs are getting ready to play. The Reds beat the Giants 4-1, four to one, four runs on 11 hits for Cincinnati in this one. Uh, Hunter Green picks up just his third win of the season, one of his better outings of the year. Uh, no earned runs as he pitches into the sixth inning. Logan Webb, not a bad start, but he takes the loss. He falls to 9-11 and 11 on the season. Christian Encarnacion Strand, a home run and three runs batted in. His first four-hit game of his major league career. 
Um, Eli De La Cruz continues to play well for the Reds. He had a couple of more hits yesterday. Uh, he's cooled off a little bit from his hot start, but uh, he has still shown that he is going to be an exciting player uh, for the rest of his career, without a doubt. So we will see what happens, but that's going to be a great series. The uh, Giants play a four-game series at San Diego starting today. And, you know, the Padres are another team like the Red Sox. They're dead men walking. They're seven and a half back, ten games under five hundred. If you are the Giants, you have got to go down to San Diego, and in that four-game series, you have got to take three out of four. You can't afford to stumble against uh, teams like that. The Giants with just a half a game lead. They are the number three wild card right now and just a half a game lead uh, in that. And when you look at their schedule, you have to kind of you have to like the Giants' chances. They play at San Diego. Then they've got a tough series at the Cubs. But then they have a series where they play the Colorado Rockies seven times. Three games with Cleveland. Um, and then they finish the season with the Dodgers, but they've also got three more with San Diego. They've got seven of their last ten games are with the Dodgers, but they're in a stretch right now for the next three, six, nine, well, next 16 games. They can make some hay because of those 16 games, 13 of them are against teams that are under 500, and not just under 500, but a good deal under that mark so this is an opportunity for the San Francisco Giants to uh, to cement their playoff spot 42 minutes past yeah we're going to take one more break we're back in a minute you're listening to the wake-up call on sports country it is 44 minutes past the hour welcome back to the wake-up call here on a Thursday morning uh, the Cleveland Guardians their second straight victory they knock off the Minnesota Twins yesterday uh, five to two and uh, they keep themselves relevant in the race in the AL Central. They have no chance for the wild card, obviously, six games under five hundred. But they are now just five back of the Twins. Um, it's still a long shot. The Twins are still a better team. But any team that is managed by Terry Francona, I'm not ready to give up on them. And, but, look, they, there is no doubt that the Guardians have their hands, uh, their their work cut out for them. Their next six games, they have three at home with Tampa, but then three with Minnesota. Now they go on the road. They take on the Angels, a beatable team, but then they have to go to the Giants. They have to play Texas. They still have four games left with Baltimore, a couple with Cincinnati. Their schedule is not an easy one. You know, I'm not saying it's impossible, but they are going to have to play some incredible baseball down the stretch uh, to have a chance. But Cole Calhoun, the hero yesterday, a three-run home run in the 10th inning as they come back against that Minnesota bullpen and uh, win 5-2. to two. Uh, Emilio Pagan ends up taking the loss. Sonny Gray got the start yesterday for the Minnesota Twins. Look, he's been really good. Seven shutout innings. He lowers his ERA to 2.92. If I'm not mistaken, that's the lowest ERA uh, of anybody who qualifies in the American League. But he's only 7-6 and six because he's like Mr. <laughs> Mr. No Decision. Um, it, it's, you know, it's it's incredible that it his team, whenever he goes out there, his run support has been terrible. But 157 innings pitched, he's been great. He struck out 156 guys. His walk and his innings pitch is 
but uh, his uh, his bullpen lets him down, and uh, the Minnesota Twins fall to the Cleveland Guardians by a final of five to two. The uh, Atlanta Braves keep on rolling. Uh, yesterday they take on Colorado. They beat him seven to three. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. was t- was quiet yesterday, but that didn't matter because Marcelo Zuna wasn't. Uh, he hit a home run. Kevin Pillar, uh, Orlando Arcia also with homers for the Braves. If I'm not mistaken, I think Pillar and uh, Ozuna I think did it in the same inning yesterday. I was watch I watched the game for a little while, um, but uh, the Braves sweep the Rockies this year. They win all seven games against Colorado. It's the third time, by the way, they've done that in a season series with the Rockies. They swept them in 2003, went 6-0, and and then they went 13-0 and against them in 1993, which was the first year uh, of the Rockies' uh, existence. Uh, Atlanta has just, you know, look, there's no stopping them. But Darius Vines, Major League debut yesterday, and this is the, this is the kind of year it's been for Atlanta. It just doesn't matter who you throw out there. Darius Vines comes up from AAA Gwinnett County, makes his uh, major league debut six innings, just two runs. He strikes out five, and uh, then the bullpen does the job from there, and the Atlanta Braves keep on keeping on. Uh, The Braves, another huge series. It's not a huge series necessarily in terms of standings this weekend, but they have a four-game series starting tonight against the Los Angeles Dodgers. And I say it's not a big series in terms of the standings because Atlanta's got a 13-and-a-half game lead in the National League East, and the Dodgers have a 14-and-a-half game lead in the National League West. But this is likely your NLCS. I will be surprised if it's not the Braves and the Dodgers playing for a trip to the World Series this year. They have been head and shoulders better than anybody else in that league, and it's not close. Um, the Dodgers, 25 games under five, I mean, over 500 at home. So they've got the Braves for four. This is, you know, th- this is a huge series for the Dodgers in this respect. They would like to get the home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Well, right now, they trail the Atlanta Braves by four games for that. So if they sweep the Braves this weekend, they would be in a flat-footed tie for best record in the National League. I don't expect that to happen. Uh, But if you're the Dodgers, you're hoping you at least get three out of four here and give yourself a chance to still get home field advantage. Because when the playoffs come and you've got to play the Braves uh, to go to the World Series, you would uh, really like it to, uh, to be on your home turf if there is a Game 7. Uh, only other game from yesterday that really need to mention, and that was the Dodgers game. They beat the Diamondbacks seven nothing yesterday. Uh, uh, Pepio gets the start for the Dodgers, five shutout innings, and then Cale Yarborough comes out of the bullpen, four shutout innings. Uh, so uh, six shutout, or excuse me, six hits in those nine innings for Dodger pitching, and uh, they shut out the Diamondbacks. And and look, as I said, the Diamondbacks. Right on the doorstep, big series this weekend, so uh, we'll have to keep an eye on that one. Uh, Yesterday, the United States uh, team captain, Zach Johnson, named the alternates for, uh, or his captain's picks, I should say, for the Ryder Cup team. 
the biggest surprise, I guess, would have to be Justin Thomas. Justin Thomas hasn't won a PGA event in 15 months. Uh, he didn't even finish in the top 70 to make the FedEx Cup playoffs this year. But Zach Johnson put him on his team. Why? Because he's 6-2-1 and one in his two previous appearances uh, in the Ryder Cup. He has played very, very well. Ryder Cup is set for the end of September in Rome. Uh, his other captain's picks were Jordan Spieth, not a surprise there, Colin Morikawa, who has played very, very well, Ricky Fowler and Sam Burns also get named. Uh, the six qualifiers that made it based on points were Scotty Scheffler, Wyndham Clark, uh, Brian Harmon, who won the British Open, Patrick Cantley, Max Homa, and Xander Shoffley. Um, you know, the guy I think that uh, the couple of guys that I felt got stiffed, and, and that's probably because of taking Justin Thomas, but uh, Cameron Young, who finished in the top ten in four of the last seven majors. he's number He was number nine in the Ryder Cup standings, doesn't get in. Keegan Bradley, who won twice on tour this year and was in the hunt at the Tour Championship at Eastlake uh, in the last weekend of the season, uh, got left off as well. So I feel bad for those guys. I thought they, uh, especially Keegan Bradley being a New England guy, I was kind of rooting for him to uh, to get in. Um, a record was set yesterday. This was fascinating. At the University of Nebraska, the women's volleyball team set a world record for the largest attendance for a women's sporting event. For women's volleyball. They played in their football stadium yesterday and drew uh, 92,000 people. 92,003 people went to Memorial Stadium to watch the University of Nebraska Women's volleyball team. <laughs> I mean, come on, uh, crazy, and you know, and they had it. They had a Division two game before that with uh, Nebraska Kearney and Wayne State, um, but then uh, Nebraska sweeps Omaha in the regular season match. Pretty cool. The previous record, by the way, ninety one thousand six hundred and forty eight, and that was set during a Champions League soccer match between Barcelona and Real Madrid back in twenty twenty two. The American record for a women's sporting event was back in the 1999 World Cup soccer final uh, between the United States and China, and that was at the Rose Bowl uh, out in Pasadena. But 92,003 people to watch a women's volleyball match. I, I, I looked at you I mean, it's just, <laughs> you know, I remember, you know, I worked in Division One college athletics for a long time, and I think the largest crowd I ever saw for a women's volleyball match while I was there was maybe a thousand people, maybe, you know, and that was for the league championship in the Northeast conference uh, when sacred heart was in it. Unbelievable crowd. It was just it was something to see. And uh, a beautiful day for it. it was 83 degrees. There, there was just a small wind, like four miles an hour. So it didn't really affect the flight of the ball, but just a crazy scene. I, I saw the, the uh, clips of it this morning on the today show, but uh, that was something to watch. That is going to do it for us here this morning. Remember, no show tomorrow. Uh, I am going to be out of town, so we will be back on Tuesday. We're going to take the long weekend as well. Uh, so we'll be back on Tuesday with another edition of the Wake Up Call. If you're a Red Sox fan like I am, uh, take the weekend to lick your wounds and realize that we're watching the rest of the season 
uh, as we see maybe uh, some of the young kids and see what the Red Sox are going to do with this roster going into 2023. They've got some big decisions to make. Um, I think the biggest one is going to be whether they're going to trade Alex Verdugo because you've got You've got Raffaella, who they brought up now. It looks like he, he deserves to stay. Uh, Will, Will you Abreu, since they brought him up, has looked really good. You know, they've already got too many too many outfield, too many outfielders. It means Adam Duvall is not going to get re-signed, and you're going to have some combination of Yoshida, Ref Snyder, Duran, Raffaella, Abreu, perhaps, next year. And the Red Sox probably need to spend their money going out and getting some starting pitching. So well, that's that, that's the way I'm looking at the rest of the year. I'm still going to watch, but it's going to be with a little less passion, I think, than, <laughs> than than I normally do when I watch a Red Sox game. Hey, it's Van Morrison's 78th birthday this morning, so we're going to leave you with a little brown-eyed girl in honor of uh, Van's birthday. Have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy the holiday. We'll see you on Tuesday. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.